I'm Madison Donor, a recovering journalist. And I'm Dion Broxton. I'm still a journalist, and you might know me for this. Oh, no, I ain't messing with you. Oh, no. We created this podcast because we wanted to show you how this dream job can sometimes turn into a nightmare. You never know what can happen. One day the network will be calling you. Okay, we have Angelica with us today. Um, give us a brief introduction of your journalism career and where you are now. First, tell us your craziest story from working in the industry, but don't tell us yet. Tell us at the end. Hi, everyone. I'm happy to be here. I'm Angelica Spanos. I first started my career after graduating. Um, I actually worked not on camera. Um, I worked in New York City when I graduated grad school from Columbia University at Bloomberg News. Um, so I was on Lexington Avenue in Midtown with Michael Bloomberg and all sort of financial folks that were coming in and out of the building all the time. And I worked on the assignment desk for a little bit. And then quickly after that, I was kind of tapped to go produce the morning affiliate hits that we put out. So basically Bloomberg was obviously wanted by affiliate stations for like an early morning market hit. And I produced those for several of our markets. Um, I really did like it. It was great experience to produce and really actually great for my business, like part of my brain, because I had to learn a lot of things that I hadn't known and really just get thrown into the whole business world. So I loved that. Um, while I was doing that, I made a tape with help from my anchors that I produced, as well as things that I had done in grad school. Um, and I sent it out to places that I realistically thought I would move to. I didn't kind of just throw it everywhere in the United States. I strategically picked states that I was like, I will go here. I will not go here. Um, and I actually ended up in Salisbury, Maryland, which at the time is or was market 143, a total like starter market for sure. It is very unique though, because it is actually owned by like a family. So a lot of stations are obviously owned by Cox or big companies or, you know, a ABC or whatever. It was owned by a, a small um, family in the state that had a lot of money and basically had a monopoly on all the TV in that area. So although our market was very small, we operated at a much, I'd say like higher brow pace. Um, we had a lot of bells and whistles that many stations just like didn't have that were bigger than us. We had a, a helicopter. helicopter, we had photogs, we had, you know, bureau reporters with photographers. We just had a lot of things that, you know, after leaving there, I realized was really lucky. The beach. Um, yeah. So it, it was a great starter market, to be honest. Like, of course, it came with all the drama and toxicity that every station comes with. Um, but looking back, it was it was really great. Um, so I'm happy I was there. I I actually got to live in like my family's beach house. And even though I was making like zero dollars, um, at least I didn't have to pay rent. So that was kind of nice. Um, but after that, I could not wait to leave. Like I tried to leave early. I tried to do everything. I had this 
jar I kept on the counter and I would put all my money in it. And it had a label on it that said buyout jar, because I was like, I need to leave this market. (laughs) Um, and I ended up the last day of my contract was the last day I worked. It was a two year contract. So I worked the entire two years and the last day I left for Hartford, Connecticut, which is market 30 or was at the time. Um, which is another really great TV market. I highly recommend it for any East Coast people because it is right between Boston and New York. There is a crazy amount of news in the state of Connecticut for some odd reason. <laughs> like the news cycle was nonstop. Um, I got there two weeks after the Sandy Hook school shooting. So I was just immediately kind of thrown into big stories. And from there, it was truly one big story after the other um between Aaron Hernandez getting arrested he was originally from Connecticut they've had thought the murder weapon was in Connecticut so covered all sorts of big stories there would get to go to New York would get to go up to Boston covered the Boston Marathon bombings um when that happened so just really a great market for exposure to other bigger markets Um, I ended up staying there for about three years, I think a little over three years. And by the end of it, I was just kind of, I was a little burnt out in that station. I didn't think I had any other like, um, forward movement. It was very lateral at that point. Um, and I decided to leave without a job, which was really daunting and kind of a hard decision at the time, but my personal life was leading me to move to New York where my now husband was. Um, And I ended up going to New York City without a job. Um, Bold, very bold. Yeah, (laughs) which, yeah, as you can imagine, I was like, this could end very poorly or like, let's just see what happens. I somehow had like faith that it would all work out okay. Um, And I kind of just thought like, let's try and fail. It's better than failing to try and see what happens. So it took me a while. I moved there, I think in March and by the fall, I had a job secured or freelance gig secured at ABC News One. So I worked it for the network at ABC um, doing their affiliate hits. And I also worked on their overnight show, which I don't know if you know of World News Now. Um, I watch it sometimes. You're up very late or very it's early. Randomly. Yep. It's like random nights when I can't <laughs> I, sleep or I, I get up early. I did, the, I did the morning show at my previous station. So you guys, that was on before us. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a great show. They they do a really good job with it. But it's just like, wow, you have to be like a night owl or super Not early turn. person to yeah. watch it. Um, so I worked there for a while through President Trump's election, through just a lot of other big news stories. That was kind of the era of all of those um body cam videos of all that police brutality coming out. Um, so I think almost every day I covered something like that or or Trump. Um really great experience. Um, had a really, you know, rewarding time there as well. While I was working there, I was a freelance employee. Um, and in New York, there are tons of freelance employees. And basically, you can still work five days a week, 
60 hours a week, but you still don't have benefits and you're still not a company like employee, you're just a contractor or whatever. So that started getting to me a little bit. Um, and I actually ended up going over to work out of the NASDAQ for CNN and I did their affiliate hits out of there. Um, and that was truly like a dream for me because I kind of had a business background originally when I had first, first way back then worked at Bloomberg. Um, I just really liked that it was a morning shift because it was before the market opened. And then as the beginning hours of trading began. So it was a totally different animal than I was used to. Um, but I, I really did love it. It was no doom, no gloom. It was just all numbers, consumer stories, economy stories, whatever was going on. We kind of tailored each report to the market that we were shooting them out to. So every market had a different story or a different like produced story. But, um, and while I did that, after I was doing that for a while, I ended up picking up another job um, that I simultaneously did after I would leave the NASDAQ at the Law and Crime Network, which I don't know if you all are familiar with that. Um, Danny oh, yeah. Abrams of ABC News started his own network to kind of compete with Court TV. Um, and it's wildly successful now because of the hot topic or hot button of like true crime that is like the culture geist right now. Um, so because of that, it, it really blew up while I was there and I hosted a three hour show there, got to cover a lot of trials live from federal court in New York, including like Harvey Weinstein and just some big trials that everyone was watching. I was kind of doing like business in the morning and, and law in the afternoon and did that up until basically the whole pandemic COVID situation. I had my first daughter in the middle of COVID and we were still working remotely wow. for law and crime. We were able to broadcast out of our houses and then kind of toward when everything was clearing and people were going back to the offices, they wanted people to go back to the, to the studio. And I wasn't able to do that because of my baby and we ended up relocating. So that was my end of my uh, TV career at that point. Was it easy to end it right there? It was a little abrupt and I wasn't mad at the time because I was taking care of this child, um, which is, you know, a whole other set of issues and problems and challenges and joys. But um, I think when we left New York because of the pandemic, we, we had kind of always known we wanted to leave we weren't going to leave at that moment. It really expedited our leave. But no, I, I wasn't upset at the time. I was really focused on being a mom. It was something I knew I always wanted to do and I wanted to put the time in to do it, um, especially when my kids are that young. So I really didn't have a problem with it. I kind of always thought I'll go back, I'll go back. And I still like... I don't really know if I have the door closed to news. Not that I'm like chomping at the bit to get a news job, especially now that I love my current job. Um, but I, I truly like will never say never. Can we can we go back to I have so WBLC? many questions, Dion. Yeah. 
that's my that's my tldr as the kids say uh bio (laughs) you you've had like i think you've had like the dream resume for someone in journalism this is why we're interviewing her yeah like i started (laughs) in montana cold winters then i went to iowa hot corn cold cold winters you started in a beach town Jumped to market, what, 30, Connecticut, which is in between Boston and New York. Worked in New York, CNN, ABC One for the affiliate. You've had some really good gigs. Do you look back and think think like that? You know, when you say it like that, I do. And when I think about it as a whole, I truly am grateful and humbled by what I was able to accomplish. Um, Sometimes when I'm going through stuff and see like, a paper or a, you know, like a badge from one of those old jobs. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I did that. And, and, and especially now after having kids and just being in a totally different season of life, it, it, it kind of like resonates more than in when I was in the moment, because when you're in it, you're just trying to get through each day. You're trying to figure out how I can stand out. You're trying to figure out what do I need to do to get these people attention so they know that I'm good? And and there's just so many other dynamics that while you're doing it, you have no idea how cool it is, for yes. lack of a better word. Um, and I think when I was first reporting for News One, and I would get those texts from people that were like, hey, I just saw you on my TV in like Seattle. And I'd be like, what? Because, you know, you know what you're doing, but you don't actually know how it, who's seeing it and, and people, you know, and all of that. So yes, to answer your question, like when I was in it, I don't think I appreciated it and understood it as much, but now at this phase I do. And I can't say that I'm like not proud of it. Um, I, I I did really enjoy it, and I know I was very you know lucky, if you will. Okay, I don't Dion. know if I would say luck because you you went to New York and you kind of got yourself a job, you know, without an agent, right? So when I got my New York job, I had actually had an agent at the time. However, I don't think he was a great agent, <laughs> and I got my job at ABC by myself, like without him on my own merit, I kind of tapped into my network that I had from undergrad and grad school and sent a bunch of emails, was always checking in on people, sending resume tapes, just really nagging people for lack of better term. And that is how I ended up at ABC. It was not through my agent. Um, And when I told my agent about it, he like, this is one of the reasons why I knew I didn't like this agent is he was just like, oh, that's great. Like, Wendy Stark. Like, he wasn't oh. like, wow, I'm pre-. like, what? Like, let me get my 5%. <laughs> right. So I I was just kind of like, hmm, that's not the reaction I would have imagined. Anyway, he ended up being canned later. But I think like the core message I'm trying to say is networking and all that stuff that we learned that we're told to do. Like I'm one of those people that truly like does that and relies on it. Um, I know a lot of people get that advice, but don't necessarily take it. So I truly think that it it makes a difference. 
you had, I think like the dream career for so many people going to journalism school. What, what you said, the pandemic really, it was like, you know, it was abruptly stopped your TV career, but going through that career, I mean, you were in New York, you were in Connecticut, you were in Maryland. What were some of the things that also in the back of your mind kept you sometimes burnt out, you mentioned, um, and kept you like, is this a forever thing? I think for me, a lot of it had to do with working in such like high throttle atmospheres. Um, I'll go back to even talking about my first station, which was market 143, but we weren't treated like we were in market 143. We had really high standards of what we had to deliver each day when it came to pitching packages, you know, multiple stories, all that sort of thing, which I know isn't uncommon, but it was really drilled in me at that point. Then when I got to Hartford, the same thing. We were operating at a very high level because the stations in that market just do. And it may be a function of the fact that a lot of the people go to New York and go to Boston after that. So they want to look like they can work there. So that's what we acted like. With that kind of atmosphere, you end up rising up to the occasion. And I think that's that's a lot of what happened to me. Um you know, in New York City, when I worked in in various places, there's there's such a competitive feel. So that was very discouraging at some points. You know, you are always comparing yourself to other people. You're always comparing yourself to other women or, um, you know, well, she has a better dress. She has better hair. Forget about the storytelling. There's so many other parts to it as well. Um, so I think, you know, I'm glad like it ended as it did because it wasn't like bad blood and it wasn't like I, you know, slammed the door at my job and was like, I'm out of here. See you. It was just an organic thing that kind of happened. And it was not for a bad reason. It was because my family was coming first at that point in my life. And I'm a very much family oriented and family focused person. So for me, that wasn't a deal breaker Um, as much as you know, I love the industry and knew that that was my like calling, if you will. I also really know I wanted to grow a family and excel in other parts. I think a lot of times in news, people really let their job identify who they are. And when that starts happening, you notice changes in people. And for me, I didn't want that. Like, I, I didn't like going out and people being like, you're the person on TV Oh, yeah. you work here. Like, yes, it's your job. And, and we devote a lot of ourselves to it. And not only the time and the energy, but the sacrifices. But there's more behind that. And when one thing suffers, something else has is, is getting better. But if the thing suffering is what you like most, then that's when you maybe need to take a step back and, and reassess. It. Yeah. You're the first person to say, it's, it sounds like you didn't struggle with your identity of being a, a a journalist, a broadcast journalist. Everyone else who we spoke to before you kind of struggled with that after getting out of the industry. But it sounds like you were confident knowing that you could handle that well. Why is that? Well, what do you mean struggle? Like, you, like, 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 like for me, right? Say I get out of the industry and I'm no longer the Dion Brocks and the TV reporter that people see on TV. They feel like they're not as important sometimes because 
being a broadcast journalist, you're reporting on big stories that really matter versus, I don't know, you can go to being a social, a social media content producer where you're not as visible. So sometimes people struggle with not having that, that platform anymore, but it, it seems like you're like not a new identity. Yeah. And I totally get that. I think with social media and just like everything that we use day to day as journalists, when that just goes away, you're like, what do I do on my phone now? Like, I kind of remember being like, do I even like need to scroll Twitter anymore? Like, do I post to Instagram? Like I had a, a professional Instagram account. I like never go on it anymore. Don't even know if it like still exists. I mean, it does, but you know what I mean? Like there were so many things that you just do because you're keeping up with the Joneses. Um, and then once you kind of let it all go, it, it does take a minute because I may have said that it didn't bother me, but there were definitely days where I would be like, oh, you you wouldn't have, I didn't really ever have FOMO per se, but I still actively watch the news and am very engaged in what's going on in the world. And like, there are some times where I just think like, man, if I was still working, like I'd be covering that. So it, it's not necessarily that I never think of it because I do, um, but it's just not my top priority. And, and it's great to get to get people loving on your photos when you post them and, you know, people saying, oh, you look great or your story is amazing. But there are other ways to get positive reinforcement in life um, when you just do what, what makes you feel good. Do you have friends who are still in the industry who you talk to on a regular basis? I have a few friends still in the industry. I wouldn't say talk to them regularly. But when we do our check-ins, it's usually to the effect of help me get out of here or, and not necessarily out of the business, but out of a specific market or whatever. It's very reminiscent of the same types of conversations we had X years ago. Yeah. But um, I, I, and I would love to talk to, you know, new people getting in the business now, because I would love to know like how different it truly is, because even as long as I was in it, it changed so much that I can only imagine what it's like now. And I would like, like to just like go ask someone like, what is it like now? But I think Dion, we got into this um, with a previous person we interviewed, you know, like the people straight out of college, like it is so different from the, for them now. Yeah, like I would love to know what that's like. They're landing like a market 50 job just because no one wants to be in the industry and they have to hire someone and, but then they're getting thrown into it and they don't know what they're doing. So then, so then overall the effect, the the show loses its credibility and things like that. So I see that a lot in DC, which is my home market. So I grew up watching DC local news and yes, there are lifers here. There are people that I've seen since I was seven years old, but if you look at a majority of the reporters on many of the stations, especially if you watch like the evening show or the morning show, I can just tell how green they are. And I'm sure they're like MMJing or at least shooting their own packages and stuff. I don't know if they're doing their own live shots and all that, but it's very visible. And DC is such a big and typically well-respected news market. Yeah. So it is kind of jarring for me to see. And to your point, Madison, like it does kind of like make me, I don't want to say lose credibility, but I'm not necessarily like needing to watch local news anymore because I just don't think like I'm taking what they're putting out. 
Yeah. And like, I was watching local news last night and like, I was getting frustrated because there was like two banners that were spelled wrong. And I was like, oh man, not in this market. They can't be doing that right. in this market. Like that's unheard uh, of. Yes, exactly. And, but like, what is your advice to college kids now? Like, although it's like so different from like when we were in college, like what's your advice to, you know, the, the senior graduating in May? I think for me, one of the things that I always kept in the back of my mind is to to be nice to people. I think a lot of times in this industry, people get super competitive and it brings out a mean spirit in you. And I think one of the things that I'm most proud about my career is I was never like a mean person in the newsroom. I always welcomed the younger people and almost tried to be like a mentor type of figure to them. Um, And that goes a long way, especially because they're kind of under this impression that, oh, the older people think the younger people are going to take their jobs and, and that sort of thing, which, you know, might be true to an extent, but whatever. I, I think a lot of times people forget that at the end of the day, like you still need to function as a nice human being in society. And that gets lost a lot because you never know who's going to stab you in the back in a newsroom. But at least if you're nice on your end, like hopefully you may be covered. Um, That's a big one for me. And truly just one of the things that I think helped me is just not saying no to things that you might first reaction be like, no, I'm not doing that. But kind of taking a minute and being like, well, I actually probably should do that and saying yes. I think that is something that helped me tremendously, especially when I was kind of in these networks where they would call you on a Saturday and be like, hey, can you come in real quick? Like we need someone to front this package for the, you know, seven o'clock, whatever that's going out. Can you come do it? And yeah, like you're in like it's three o'clock on a Saturday in New York. Like, do you want to go get yourself broadcast ready to go to the newsroom? It's like, no, I could have said no so many times to things like that, but I just didn't because I knew that was going to be the appropriate thing to do and hopefully help me later on. What have you learned from the job that you apply to your current job now? It's really interesting because I know we talk about this when we make this transition that, oh, you have all the tools to do these sort of like communications jobs. Um, and we, we do, but for me, it's more about the relationships and just making people understand you as a person, you as a worker, you as an employee and how to work with you. I think in news, we kind of like get paired up with people or photogs or whatever. And we just kind of sometimes either butt heads or things don't mesh but when you're in a corporate job, you don't really have an option of who you're working with, right? And and you're stuck with them in a way. So I think because I've worked with so many different types of people in news that I can truly work with any sort of complex now and know how to handle them and know how to really navigate, well, how can I like please this person by by doing this and and just truly get good relationships and good foundations with the people that I'm going to work with. I've never been one of those people that, you know, sits in a truck with a photog for six hours and like, doesn't speak to them. 
And I know people like that. Like I know tons of chicks that have done that where it's like, I, I just could never do that. Even if I like despise the person, which I've been in those, those traps too, but like, you gotta be nice. You gotta work on that relationship. And, and there's all, all sorts of people in any industry that you're going to have to come together with. And just working on that and getting through that is a big thing. Angelica, I'm going to go back a second because you said to like our younger selves, like second guess saying, saying no to things. When I got into the industry, I was always saying yes to things. No, wasn't even in my vocabulary because I worried, oh, if I say no that one time, they're never going to call me. They're never going to pick me to go to breaking news again, or they're not never going to call me on a Saturday for, to go to that wildfire or something like that. So I just think it was, it's so interesting that you're saying, you know, definitely second guessing, saying no. Whereas like, I wish sometimes I did say no, because I feel like I was on this hamster wheel and I was just going and going. And I was nervous that if I say no, no one, like, it's not going to get me to my next market. But then on the other hand, you're like, but you do those things to get you to your next market. So I just, I thought like the same thing, like I would, oh, I would tell like my younger self and like journalism students, like to say like, yes to things, even though if you don't want to go in because it's going to get you further, but then also like kind of reevaluate what you're saying yes to, because it could put you in some scary situations. I just reminded me a lot of like me when I was a reporter, I was always like, always saying yes. No, I hear you loud and clear. And I think a lot of the circumstances that you mentioned, obviously, like people should have an understanding of the situation and wherewithal to to make the correct call because yeah. we don't want anyone to be in harm's way. We don't want anyone to go to a scene where they could be in danger, obviously. Yeah. Um, I get what you're saying. And, and I think it really is situational um, to your point of being on the hamster wheel and just being thrown in it. That it, I've, I've felt that many times, especially in my first and second markets, like you were just nonstop. Oh, snow coverage. Yeah. Oh, this, this weekend yep. and the weekdays. And I think, you know, that's unfortunately a function and a product of the, the industry because of the, the nonstopness of the, the news cycle. Um, so there are going to be times where you just got to do something. Um, and that's what we signed up for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there is a limit and I think people need to set a boundary for themselves. Exactly. You know, there was, there was many times where it'd be like, I remember specifically this always happening with weather because we were a big weather station in Connecticut because of the snow there, obviously. So when we had storm coverage, we were expected to be working the wall to wall coverage. And I mean, like that's at some point, you know, you, you have to take a break. Yeah. Um, so I remember being in positions where they'd be like, okay, like, can you go live at this time? And I'd be like, well, I, I really can't because I haven't had a break and I can't feel any of my limbs. Um, and I want to go inside and, you know, there are certain calls you have to make in those positions. Yeah. And if that's a situation that you think might hurt you later on, but like, you need to maintain your sanity and safety. Like you make that call then. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say like getting into the industry, like 
it definitely depends on the situation, like anchoring anytime I was at my first market and they were like, can you fail into anchor? Absolutely. Because your next market's going to love seeing that on a reel. So like take all those anchoring opportunities because you don't know how right. often you're going to get them and make it worth it. So always definitely say yes to, I would say to all those like anchoring or, you know, those Saturdays coming into the office just to do one, one live hit. It's definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a little bit different when you know your place in a newsroom yep. in a local market. I was kind of reminiscing of my times in New York where I was like, okay, I need to say yes, because I need to get exposure on this network and people mm-hmm. need to see me. Yeah. Um, luckily I wasn't like putting myself in danger by saying yes to those situations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just to clear that up. You know, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. There's a lot of things that I think when you think, oh, I want to be on TV, people don't realize what that means and what that comes with. Um, one of the things that I think about a lot now is just how when when I was going through it, you you still I was kind of at that tail end of really still kind of having to do the start from a small market, go here, go there. Whereas now I feel like people are getting jobs much better than anyone could have gotten then, like with a lot less experience, um, which is great. I think people should capitalize on that. But if I was in the field now and seeing that I'd be pissed, but, and I, and I had experiences like that when I worked where like a former beauty pageant contestant would like get a job, but had never done a live shot in their life. Um, So, I mean, I think all those types of dynamics still exist, but I mean, I think if people are, are truly passionate about it, hundred percent, go for it, see what it entails and, you know, ride it out and you never know what can happen. Crazy story part. All right. I'm like trying to think of a good one. That's maybe more unique than some of the other ones you got. Cause you know, we all have gotten crazy Facebook messages and DMS and all of that. That's a given. But this one situation has come to mind where I was covering a tornado that had gone through a town in Delaware. And at the time, I don't think we knew it was a tornado yet. They hadn't released the exact whatever that's called, where they like released the number or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were calling it like cyclone or whatever. Anyways, at this house and I like knock on the, the roof's blown off, by the way, like it doesn't have a roof. And it's like a pretty small, like one level, like ranch house. Um, And... Go to the house. I'm by myself, by the way, just myself, just my camera, no one else. And I knocked on the door or actually, I don't even think I had to knock on the door. I think I saw the owner or a guy outside in the lawn looking at his damage. So I was like, perfect. Just go approach him. We were lucky because in our market, like everyone knew our TV station. So it was never like, hey, I work at the news station. Will you talk to me? It was, whoa, WBC, like, what are you doing here? So I walk up to this guy and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so sorry about your house. You know, it it looks terrible. Like, what's your plan? Blah, blah, blah. Talking to him a little bit. And I'm like, okay, would you be willing to talk to me on camera? Like, I just want to get some video of the damage. It'll help, um, you know, spread awareness about the recovery effort, whatever. So he's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. He agreed. 
So I'm like setting my stuff up, get his like roofless house over his shoulder behind him, have like the great shot going, start the interview. We're talking, we're going into it. All of a sudden his wife walks out of the house, like on for on camera into frame. And she starts screaming. She's like, what are you doing here, Angelica? Like, you don't even know what he does at nights. Is he like going out to see you? Is he like trying to find you every Tuesday? <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, oh God, why am I getting drawn into this? So she's just going off. She's like, you don't even know how often he's out of this house. Like, do you know where he sleeps? Is he with you? <laughs> and I was just like, oh God. Ma'am, oh. um, your roof is gone. <laughs> So how far well, that into the was interview? like not even a topic of conversation. Like she had <laughs> no care in the world about that. She was just thinking that her husband and I were meeting up on Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday. Um, and she's saying this all on camera as I'm rolling. And his response was, "Don't listen to her. She's not all there." Like da da da. Like let's continue the interview. <laughs> and she kept saying stuff like, "I knew it was you, Angelica Spanos. I knew it." <laughs> Like, we've seen you on the TV. And I just kept being like, I, like, never <laughs> met your husband. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe and rate us on whatever platform you're listening to. And of course, visit us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and come back every Wednesday for a new episode.